0: Come on in. Welcome to our home for Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier, the weekly podcast of Soul Shepherding Incorporated.
1: We're excited to share with you a mini series of life changing thoughts from Dallas Willard who entered eternal glory on May 8th, 2013.
0: This series of podcasts are inspired by Dallas's recent book, Life Without Lack and his biography.
1: I was blessed to be personally mentored by Dallas over a number of years He coached me in applying his teaching to my personal life and our ministry to pastors and leaders.
0: Thanks for joining our conversations with Christ, our Good Shepherd. Hi, Soul Talk friends. We love hearing from you. It's such a neat thing, Bill, on this day and age. We can be in contact with people around the world. And we heard from one of our soul shepherding missionaries in Bulgaria. She's not a part of Soul Shepherding. She's with a a Catalyst organization, but she thanked us for our Soul Shepherding emails, said they really speak to her. And she says, the devotional on Dallas Willard and the beautiful ways he used spiritual practices in his daily life in such creative ways was so inspiring. And so we're thankful that Margie, you took time to contact us and share that with us. And that's inspiring us to continue to kind of share our gleanings from The Life and Writings of Dallas.
1: We said this was going to be a mini-series, and it's grown to be a longer series. It's been so fun.
0: It has been fun. I've really enjoyed Bill reading with you. The new books put out here by Dallas, Life Without Lack, and then um, Gary Moon wrote the biography, Becoming Dallas Willard, and we've read those together, and we've had lots of good soul talks ourselves about that.
1: And now we get to spill over with you, our listening friends. We do. Thanks for tuning in with us. And so we're going to talk uh, today on Soul Talks and uh, next week on Dallas Willard as a wounded healer. And that may not be a way that you've thought of Dallas if you have read uh, The Divine Conspiracy or Renovation of the Heart or Spirit of the Disciplines. Uh, And those of you that don't know of Dallas Willard, uh, you'll get to know him a little better in this podcast. And uh, we hope that you will realize that God has called you to be a wounded healer, too. Uh, It's a tremendous ministry, and it's one of the great themes in soul shepherding. Now, we want to put this, uh, our conversation, in the context of Hebrews 13, 5 to 6. I'm going to just read this. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can people do to me? Thank God for his word, and his promise. He will never forsake us. We don't need to secure ourselves with money or anything else, power, status, um, pleasing people. We don't need to do that because we have Jesus and his Abba helping us.
0: Yeah, and you know, as we get back to Dallas, honey, he had some experiences in his life that would make it hard for him to trust that to be true, and yet it was obvious in his life that he did trust that to be true.
1: Those and... verses so describe Dallas uh, being content in the presence of the Lord and living in the spiritual reality of of God's kingdom where the risen Christ is with him and he's never abandoned and uh, looking to the as he often said, looking to the arm of the Lord to come down and give help.
0: Well, I want to share our, with our listeners some of the ways that Dallas was wounded because it's easy with somebody like Dallas who is accomplished, you know, a philosopher, mm-hmm. one of the best you know schools in um, in the world, and you know, uh, published all these books, so well respected and sought after, you know. It's, teach and speak and write and his ideas and his knowledge, and it'd be easy to just kind of idealize him. And yet we need examples of people that are following Christ with their feet on the ground in humanity. They're real people that know pain and suffering and woundedness. And so that was one of the things that really attracted me to Dallas was not just his ideas and his knowledge, but it was that... He showed me the humanity side. He showed me that he could actually empathize with my pain and my struggles and my suffering and my wounds.
1: Yeah, Dallas was a, an ordinary person, uh, humble, down-to-earth, and genuine uh, in such an astonishing way that it really was disarming to people because of his his great intellect and the success that he'd achieved you just would have expected him to have a fancy car and house and a sense of self-importance about himself. But uh, he was just so uh, gentle and compassionate and so uh, just uh, meek and just himself with the people he was with. And it was just a great gift that he gave us. And so he, he would not want us to make that mistake that you're concerned about, Christy. He would not want us to idealize him and uh, put this space between ourselves and him, like, oh, I, I couldn't walk with Jesus the way Dallas did, or I couldn't serve God or accomplish for God what Dallas did. it's like, no, he'd just say, no, I'm just a farm boy from, from uh, Missouri. And uh, there's really nothing special about me. The, the greatness is God. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But it helps us to talk about his story and God's story, because we're, we're late and it helps me to follow God and see God's greatness.
1: Yeah. And so in Becoming Dallas Willard, uh, th- there's a, a number of points that come out from Dallas's childhood and through his life. Uh, the, the book is mostly focusing on Dallas as a philosopher and teacher, but we do have some uh, stories that sort of break through here. Dallas was uh, being—he was of a different generation that was pretty uh, reticent to to draw attention to himself and to be too too vulnerable. But now and again, in his talks and his books, uh, he shared things about his life, and you put it all together, and we we, we get a story, mm-hmm. and it really helps us to see that uh, yeah, Dallas was coming out of his own uh, brokenness and pain and the ways that the Lord met him in that and that, that formed him as a redeemed follower of Jesus. And you, you to really understand and appreciate Dallas's ministry, you need to see, well, he, he's a wounded healer. And then we need to make that connection that, well, actually that's true for all of us. So in Dallas's case, he was a fourth child in his family, and um, he was unwanted. It was a poor family, farm family. They had three kids, and they didn't, they didn't want to have a fourth child. And so, you know, that's, that's a really hurtful thing for a child, even if you don't know that. There's something about that that if you don't know it consciously, you probably know it intuitively and unconsciously, uh, even in the womb maybe. Uh, and then uh, the real crisis of his life was uh, at age two, his mom died uh, in a farming accident when she jumped off the the hay wagon and uh, got a hernia. And then the, the doctor botched the surgery and she ended up dying. He was just two years old. And then his dad got depressed. And so he pretty much lost his dad too. And then his dad uh, remarried and uh, the stepmother didn't really want to be a mother and so Dallas felt really rejected.
0: She did reject him, yeah.
1: And then he was uh, shuffled from home to home, different family members, and so there was just a lot of recurring abandonments and insecurity and aloneness. Uh, now the other side of the story, which which Dallas would emphasize, was how God uh, pr- provided replacement uh, family for him and parenting for him and his his older sister and her husband and his Mm -hmm. older brother and, uh, his wife. And so, uh, there was some great uh, care that he received there. And, um, but it's in the context of a lot of, uh, wound. Mm -hmm. And so like one example of this is that he, he said that he learned when he would would cut the wood for the stove that would heat the house and, for the meals and so forth, he learned it to, to to chop the wood just perfectly and get it just just the right size so it just fit right right in there in the stove, and he did that so that to, to please the people that he was with in in the hopes that he could stay a while. Mm-hmm. And so you really hear that that boy that's afraid, like you know well, you know where do I belong mm-hmm. and where where's where's my home and. Where, where, where am I going to be loved and wanted? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as, as happens when we experience these, these early wounds, they, they tend to recur mm-hmm. as we, as we go on through life. And so then, you know, it's, it's school, he, he talked about not being chosen uh, to to be on the, on the team and, you know, being the last one picked. And, you know, a lot of us have had that experience, mm-hmm. especially if you're, you're younger as, as Dallas was in a one room schoolhouse and the other kids are older and, and so he wasn't wanted on the softball team, and well, you can you can back up this guy over here, and that that's really hurtful. Mm-hmm. those other kids in the playground can be pretty cruel. Yes. Dallas grew up in the country, and he uh, was in the woods a lot. And in one sense, there's a lot of beauty in that, and and God's creation and nature and so forth. But he talks about how he could go off into the woods and hike for, for 15 miles and camp out. And it was fine. The people that he would be staying with wouldn't worry about him and he could just be, be gone. And, you know, I don't know all of what Dallas felt in there, but I just imagine uh, just being pretty, pretty lonely and insecure. And maybe that's bringing up that feeling of being unwanted uh, and abandoned and, you know, where, where's where somebody to look out for me, somebody to sort of worry about me and 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 uh, take care of me. He said at one point, uh, "I've lived a hidden life. I assumed I'd always have to hide myself from people." And yeah, I just feel sad mm. when I hear that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's an example of how he he really could have lived a very Hidden life. He could have withdrawn. He could have caved up there in the philosophy department and in his in his mind and intellect, and really not been this hospitable man that welcomed and didn't reject people, and who was so so careful to actually go to great pains to not reject anybody. I can remember seeing him at conferences, you know, standing for hours to make sure everybody in that line to talk to him actually got to mm-hmm. a blessing from him. Because he didn't want to reject anybody because he knew how horrible and he would talk about the pain of rejection and how horrible it is the way we size one another up and treat and reject people and the pain of that. And he talked about that with with an empathy that helped me to really trust him because, you know, you don't really care what somebody knows if you don't know that they care. Mm -hmm. And Dallas knew a lot and I learned a lot from what he knew, but I learned more because i saw that he cared.
1: Yeah, tell us more about that. So I, what you're saying is on the on the one side, you know, we've read his books, we listened to so many of his seminars on cd over and over and so we're really learning from this this mind that has been formed in Christ and all of his studies coming at it from the perspective of of a philosopher but coming into apprenticeship to Jesus and the kingdom of God, the life of the scriptures and so forth. And he has so much to teach us, right? But then you're talking about the personal relationship with Dallas and how it felt to talk with him and to be with him.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Dallas said, everybody gets a formation. Everybody gets a spiritual formation. And our pain and our wounds are part of that formation. Mm -hmm. And knowing a little bit of his and hearing how that... He took that to Christ, he received, you know healing for that, and he let himself become a wounded healer. That gave me the confidence. There was an opportunity that I had to have a private conversation with him, a long conversation with him. And I was a little bit intimidated to lean into it and take advantage of the opportunity, because you know, he's intimidating with how much he knows and mm-hmm. here, I've got this vulnerability I'm bringing, because as a child, you know, I was born with the opening to my stomach closed off and I would have died if my parents hadn't taken me to the hospital for this surgery. But in having the surgery, I experienced that as abandonment from a psychological point of Mm -hmm. view. It wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't their choice, but it was my experience of it. And that left a wound in me that has continued and that Oftentimes I project onto God and it affects my confidence in God and his love. And so I wanted to talk to Dallas about that, and yet I was afraid to be that vulnerable with him. But it was the it was seeing his sensitivity to the woundedness and his ability to be empathetic that gave me the courage to to press into that. And as I did, I can't tell you the details of all the great ideas and all the wonderful intellectual thoughts and truths and philosophy and scripture and all the the things he said. There were some profound things that he said, but that's not what I remember. What I remember was the way he was with me, Mm -hmm. the empathy he had for the little girl in me Mm -hmm. that felt abandoned that was having trouble with my confidence in God, that was enthralled with his his confidence in God and was enthralled with his ideas about the kingdom of God being available to me and being open to me and, and about my confidence to live there with full confidence in God and how great he was. He didn't just say, well, you should believe these things because, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible says it or because this or that. He didn't try to convince me.
1: And part of you might have expected that, that he would uh-huh. because you're you're coming to this great thinker mm-hmm. and you're you're coming to him as a feeler mm-hmm. who's sensitive mm-hmm. and ha- having some wounds mm-hmm. along those lines mm-hmm. from the the early felt abandonment and then just the the challenges in a family where you're raised with all these thinkers, your parents, your sisters, they're all thinking people, and then you're this really strong feeler that feels out of place, so that's kind of with you as mm-hmm. you're talking to dallas mm-hmm. and if if ever it's like going to be activated that you're going to f- feel like I'm coming up short here, I'm not mm-hmm. up to speed, I'm inadequate, mm-hmm. you'd think it would be activated there, but it wasn't no,
0: no, because he was he was so gentle
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he was so kind and he was so patient, and I could just feel. God's love oozing from his body mm-hmm. to me, um, this place of safety he made for me there, this place of empathy and compassion without me having to articulate all what I felt or why I felt it or my whole story. It was like he got it. It was like he resonated with that. It was like, yeah, I, I understand that deep pain and he didn't make light of it and he didn't try to explain it away. But he, he showed God's love to me in that.
1: Yeah, and so that's what we all need is that that safety, that spiritual hospitality, someone who's a soul shepherd mm-hmm. that just really comes alongside us in gentleness and listens, asks questions, and validates our experience and just sort of guides us along in our trust in the Lord through our situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when I first heard Dallas say things like, you know, God... God wants every child. There's no such thing as an unwanted child, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, well, what about those, you know, kids that are, you know, thrown in dumpsters and all that kind of thing? And Dallas has such confidence. Every, every child, every baby is wanted mm-hmm. by God and loved by God. And no baby that's been born when they're in heaven will ever be sorry that they were born. And he'd say it with such confidence, but it means so much more when you know he was an unwanted baby,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but he, right. didn't let, he didn't live that out. He didn't live that out.
1: Yes, he went to to uh, Jesus and his Abba Father, and uh, he went. Uh, he practiced his own uh, teachings. He took his own medicine in the spiritual disciplines, and in his relationship with Jane and with Richard Foster, and um, other experiences in his life, early life, going to revival meetings, uh, reading uh, great spiritual writers that helped him to to feel and to pray, and so he experienced a, a reformation. That helped him to be that wounded healer that you're describing.
0: Yeah, and he learned he learned from healing prayer,
1: and you know, yeah, Agnes actually, Sanford was yeah. really he would go go to her mm-hmm. conferences. He and Richard Foster and uh, talk with her, and and then, of course Jane uh, developed a whole practice in her work as a therapist in healing prayer mm-hmm. it became a powerful ministry of hers that she ministered to mm-hmm. you and to many people. Yeah, and Dallas would learn from that. That is yes. again in his humility. Mm-hmm he his theory it especially comes out in renovation of the heart, but you really see his his psychology and his relationality develop yes. he 's not just a thinker he he learns to to pay attention to uh, the importance of emotion in our spiritual formation and our discipleship yeah and so uh as a wounded healer uh, and just uh, for all of us as people, what happens when we have these these experiences of rejection, like like Dallas had, they they get triggered in life. No matter how smart we are, how wise we are, how advanced we are in our discipleship, things happen in life that are, that are hurtful. And so Dallas talks about this at one point where he. Um, Jane had taken um, John and Becky, the children, to, be, uh, to go to Georgia and visit family for several weeks. And so Dallas was alone. And he wrote her a letter in that time uh, to, uh, writing to Jane. He says, I have had a number of severe fits of depression such as I had not had since my teens and one migraine to date. Uh, Being alone again has been very hard on me. Uh, Ever the optimist and expressor of faith, he said, but undoubtedly good in the long run, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was stirring up things that he needed to pray about and to talk about. And so he's essentially making sort of a confession here to Jane about that um, being alone has triggered this abandonment, depression, and, um, So you see that, that, that sadness there, the, the, the the wound sort of coming back. And we see it again shortly after that, when they, uh, Dallas and Jane had twins after John and Becky and the, uh, the twins, twins died. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the first one in the womb and the the second one lived one day. And there was a, uh, they describe a great emptiness that Mm -hmm. they felt in their grief and in the loss that they went through. And, Dallas in particular took it really hard, and it must have just triggered this same abandonment, uh, de- depressive response from his childhood. And so, uh, as, a, as a young man, there uh, in his thirties, I think he was, he, he he retreated into his head and into his study to sort of cope with that. And it took him time to to really grieve and to seek god 's comfort in that and to to do the things that we 're talking about how he would bring he would go through his life in his mind and in prayer and i'm i 'm sure in in conversation with with people at times but he would he would revisit situations in his life where there was a wounding or a pain or, or a rejection uh, and he would uh, would see the face of Jesus there he would see the the love of God coming to him he would give thanks to God for the ways that god had provided for him in his his older uh, sister and brother and, and their families and uh, his grandparents and other other ways that, that God cared for him in his life, especially uh, Jane and their marriage and, and how much she loved him and chose him and, and how healing that was for him. That's something else he, he, he writes about. And so uh, it's really encouraging for us to see Dallas and how he dealt with his wounds mm-hmm. And his pain and his stress, and God in his grace met him there that's as a right. boy and later in life. And so Dallas became this wounded healer.
0: And that's what's so beautiful, seeing Christ's love and grace in, in through Dallas's life.
1: Yeah, so we just see him with this this honing device as he goes through his life. You're describing like as people are waiting in line to talk to him. Or as he uh, responded when you would go to the house to meet with Jane and he'd be out there uh, sweeping the, the steps, and oh, hi, Christy. We've been expecting you. So good to see you, and just so friendly. And uh, he did that with me when I would go to meet with him at his office or uh, have lunch with him. Uh, so so gracious, so friendly, so just emotionally present. And you just see, it's like, yeah, he's just tuning in to people and uh, caring for uh, their need, and he's he's holding back on all the things he might teach. To, to listen and to care, uh, to be hospitable and to connect. And so these are some of the reasons why we say Dallas Willard is a wounded healer.
0: Well, let me pray and then we'll pick it up next time. Yeah, I'll great. a little more. Jesus, you are the, the one who is the ultimate wounded healer. The one who has shown us the greatest form of empathy in becoming human experiencing the pains that we experience and showing us Abba's eternal love and endless grace. I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would open up our souls more and more to the touch of your grace and the impact of your love to become wounded healers for your glory. Amen. Amen. If you want to learn more about life and ministry with Jesus in the Kingdom of God, consider Soul Shepherding's Institute in Spiritual Formation and Soul Care.
1: In four week-long retreats over two years, we unpack the insights we've learned from Dallas Willard and others, along with our many years of ministry as doctors of psychology.
0: Our retreats happen in a community of pastors and leaders. They feature guided soul talk, meditation on scripture, and quiet space in the beauty of God's creation.
1: You can also earn a certificate in spiritual direction ministry. To learn more, visit soulshepherding.org.